Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Axe Church Podcast. This season will be a little different from the previous two seasons in that it will be an archive of sermons and Bible studies from the past several years. We see this as an opportunity to create a source for learning, a library of study that you can tune into and listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. Our hope is that you will learn and grow in your relationship with God and receive the revelation of truth. God bless, and we hope you enjoy. Talking about our Sunday school lesson today, we're continuing on the Search for Truth series, but we've kind of took a pause, and we're talking about um, the tabernacle plan. We're going through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we're teaching the seven dispensations. Dispensation number one is the dispensation of innocence. Boy, I heard a bunch of things. Dispensation number two is what? Dispensation number three is what? Dispensation number four is what? Dispensation number four is what? Promise. Dispensation number five is what? Now then we're in the dispensation of the law. All right. What's dispensation number six? How many of you glad we're living in that one? Praise God, I'm am too. And uh, we're going through these dispensations to kind of give you an overview of the Bible and understand that when you pick up the Bible and you read, you need to know what dispensation you're reading in. You need to understand There are three things you need to understand when you're reading the Bible. Number one, you need to understand who wrote it. Then you need to understand who it was written to. And number three, when was it written? Very good. The kingdom of God is, I'm just, I'm doing a little pop quiz this morning. The kingdom of God is twofold. I don't know what happened to this thing, but I lost all my punch. Uh, Uh. Well, turn the monitors back on. I can still feel them. I done prayed my voice out already. I need all the help I can get today. The kingdom of God is twofold. There is an earthly kingdom and a spiritual kingdom. The earthly kingdom is, and the spiritual kingdom is, very good. The reason why it's important to understand that is because anytime you want to know what God does or how God operates in the spiritual kingdom, he has given us a physical mirror image. And that's the reason why this plan is so important. This tabernacle plan, the study of this plan is so important. We're talking about the tabernacle in the wilderness that God gave to Moses. It was, the, it was a specific plan of how to get to God's presence. And so we're going through that. I just kind of wanted to just take about three minutes and recap that. So you know where we are. We talked about Wednesday night, it's placement in the camp. Where was the tabernacle put in the camp? In the middle, right in the center of it. It, God needs to be the center of your life. He didn't put the tabernacle off to the side. God's not a hobby. Living for God's not just something you do when you got time to do. Living for God is what you ought to center your life around. My life needs to revolve about around a relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? And when you center your life around God, guess what you're going to do? You're going to pray, you're going to fast, you're going to read your Bible, you're going to be faithful to God, you're going to be faithful to the house of God. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to preach today. 
I hope y'all are ready. So I feel preach all over me more than anywhere else. It's orientation in the camp. It's always facing east. The only gate was facing the rising of the sun. Our worship should always be facing a new day. A hope of the sun coming in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. The tribe straight in front of the gate to the tabernacle was what? Tribe of Judah. You had to go through Judah to get to the gate. What does Judah mean? Praise. That's the reason why we start our service out with praise and worship courses. Why? Because we're going to begin our approach to his presence with praise. Amen? And then once his presence is here, then we begin to go into the different parts of the tabernacle. The first division of the tabernacle, the tabernacle surrounded on all sides with a curtain or a fence. It only has one door. There's only one way to God's presence, amen? I said there's only one way to God's presence. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what Joel Osteen says or anybody else that you can come up any way you want to come up. You have your way. I know they, they kind of believe that, you know, Muslims and Islamists and all those other people are going to be, everybody's going to be saved. You go, to, you go to your Allah and I'm going to go to my Jehovah. But my Bible tells me there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody's coming up any other way. There's only one door. One door. I want to know the way, don't you? All right, when we go through the gate, the first thing we run into is the what? The brazen altar. What happens at the brazen altar? Death, sacrifice. First thing is repentance. Without repentance, you can forget it. I know that's not popular today. Somebody brought me a piece of paper Wednesday night, and they told me, don't read it before church. You'll get all fired up. And I went home and read it, and they were right. I got fired up. One of the most popular preachers in the world today is being acclaimed by everybody. He's, he's preaching the gospel of we, we accept everybody. We love everybody. Everybody, you know, and they was asked, is homosexuals going to be lost? Well, no. They can practice their homosexuality, and they can be saved. They can do anything. You can do anything you want. What about murderers and, and, and all these them in the holy, well, they're all going to be saved. Everybody's saved. Everybody, well, that's, that's a, that is the doctrine of no repentance. Repentance means to change. Repentance means to stop doing it. There's a big difference between asking for forgiveness and repenting. I feel like I need to preach there a while. You can say I'm sorry. You can be sorry for it but, and not stop what you're doing. The drug addict can be sorry that he's hung on drugs and he don't want to do it, but until he makes up his mind not to stick the needle in his arm or to pop the pill or to smoke it, he hasn't repented of it yet. You can't be saved. Let me, make, let me be very crystal clear. Let me be crystal clear. You cannot be saved without repentance. You gotta have an altar. That's why we call it an altar, because it's supposed to alter your life. It's supposed to change your life. I feel like preaching. I know I'm teaching a Sunday school lesson right now, but I'm sorry. I, 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 the Holy Ghost is all over me. I just feel like preaching today. The altar is supposed to change your life. When you get up, you ought to have a complete different mentality of how you used to live. Amen? 
Repentance, that's the brazen altar. Then you go to the laver of water, the brazen laver, the washing of the soul, the washing, the water, the washing of water. It is where the blood is washed off the high priest's hands and he sees the blood. He no longer sees himself, but he sees the blood when he sticks his dirty hands in the water because he's got blood on his hands from the sacrifice he just made at the brazen altar. That is baptism. That is the washing of our soul. Wherefore, baptism doth also now save us. That's what the apostle Peter said. Arise, wash away thy sins and be baptized. This is what Paul said. How? Calling on the name of the Lord. When you repent, the next step is what? Baptism. That's right. Then Peter said to them, repent, Acts 2.38. Repent, and the next words out of his mouth was what? And be baptized. How? Some of you, part of you, if you feel like it, if the notion hits you, he said, every one of you, how? In the name of Jesus Christ. What for? What's the reason? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the labor of water is very important. When we leave the labor of water, we step into the holy place. And I want to talk a little bit about the holy place for the next 20 minutes or so. I want to talk about the holy place. When you step into the holy place, on the right side, there is the table of showbread. With 12 loaves baked fresh every day, this represents the word of God. The word. Who can tell me what John chapter 1, verse 1 says? In the beginning was the, and the word was, and the word, what does verse 14 say? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The word made flesh and his body was broken. The bread was broken. The word was broken on the cross for us. The 12 loaves baked fresh every day. It's very important that you understand that it's baked fresh every day. There's too many people, listen to me, there's too many people trying to serve God with just baking it on Sunday. There's too many people that rely solely on what they get from the pulpit to maintain their walk with God. They come to church on Sunday and they sure hope the preacher gets anointed. I hope the pastor gets anointed today because I've been fighting the devil all week long, bless his holy name. And I hope the preacher got some anointing on him. Well, if you would be baking your own bread fresh every day at the house, if you'd get up in the morning and the first thing you'd do is get out of your daily dose of bread and, and bake it fresh, let it be warm, it's supposed to never grow cold in the tabernacle. It's supposed to always be fresh to you. And Well, I don't read the Bible because I don't understand it. Well, the reason why you don't understand it is because you don't read it. I'm not going to meddle today, I promise. The Word of God must be ever-present in our lives. Dusty lives, now dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Amen? Seven days without the Word of God makes one week. It should be freshly baked and broken every day. 
To the left was the seven golden candlesticks. We see this every time you think of the Jews or something Jewish comes up, you think of these seven golden candlesticks. This represents the light of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, the understanding of Jesus. Do you know how many people don't have a revelation of who Jesus is? Do you understand how many people that's trying to serve the Lord and they're trying to, they call themselves Christian, they call themselves a child of God, and they don't have a revelation and the knowledge of who Jesus is? I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story. He is the king of glory. You need to have a revelation of the mighty God in Christ and the man Christ Jesus. Amen? When you get to heaven, who are you going to see? Where is he going to be sitting? If Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne, he is Lord of lords and king of kings, then tell me who else is going to be there. Who else are we going to serve? Who else is in charge? Jesus Christ is king of glory. You need to get a revelation of that in your life and in your soul. I'm glad when I kneel down, I don't have to divide my prayer time up. Oh, I, I, I just feel it. I'm trying not to. I really am. But I, the Holy Ghost is all over me, y'all. I can't help it today. I'm glad that when I kneel down, I don't have to set, around, set aside 15 minutes to pray to the Father. And then I, I, I time myself, and then I got 15 minutes that I pray to the Son, and then I got 15 minutes to pray to the Holy Ghost, and I dare not give more time to one the other, or, or the other two will get jealous. This and right here, this and right here, last, last, last year in school, he told me, he said, he come home one day, he said, Dad, he said, they're, tr they're teaching the Trinity. He said, it don't make no sense. I said, I know. He said, I just, I just got to thinking. He said, they said there were three co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal. I said, yeah, that's how they describe it. He said, they said there's three persons co-equal. He said, well, if they're all equal, then why is Jesus submitted to the Father? If Jesus is submitting himself and becoming lower, he was created huh, a little lower than the what? So if Jesus is a little lower than the angels and the position of the man Christ Jesus is down here and he's being submitted to the Father, why is they saying that they're co-equal? It don't make no sense until you understand the revelation of the mighty God in Christ that in Jesus, in him, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. I'm glad when I say Jesus and I got a revelation of that name, I'm saying the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm glad when I need a healer, I speak Jesus. I'm glad when I need a Savior, I say Jesus. I'm glad anytime I need deliverance, I just speak the name of Jesus. I'm trying not to preach, but I can't help it. I'm glad I got the light shining in my life and I know who Jesus is. Go ahead and give him praise and glory. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. I, I'm sorry. I'm teaching. I'm teaching. This is Sunday school. Everybody calm down. Take a volume. Now, it's important to understand that the seven golden candlesticks, the light was supposed to never go out. And the light that was supposed to be shining on the candlesticks, 
the fire, the lamp. This was the only light in the tabernacle. So if this went out, the priest could not see to minister. That for a moment. Scott, the light went out. The priest couldn't do his job. So what keeps the candlesticks lit? What is the fuel that keeps the seven golden candlesticks lit? The what? The oil. Very good. Do you know whose job it was to beat out the olive oil that goes into the candlesticks? It was seven golden candlesticks, and they were all hollow, so that when you poured it in one, they all filled up equally. Okay? And it had to be full of oil. And it had to be pure, beaten out olive oil. It was not the priest's job to beat out the olive oil. It was the job of the congregation. So when the preacher is not anointed, whose fault is it? You know what I've done before? I've preached a message at a church and used the same text and the same illustrations, the same Holy Ghost in me, the same revelatory power that God gave me that message. I've preached it at one church and it bring the house down and people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and people are delivered and people are healed. And I say, man, that's a great message. And so I go to another church and I feel that same message. I feel it's the message of the hour. It's the message of the day. I get in the pulpit and I preach that same message with the same fervency and the same anointing in me, same Holy Ghost, same scripture, same everything, and it, everybody look at you like a mule looking at a new gate. And nobody's healed, nobody's delivered, nobody's set free. Boy, I feel like preaching right here. Nobody's, nobody's got the Holy Ghost. You know how that happens? Because there's no anointing in the congregation. There's no hunger in the congregation. Nobody's took time to pray that week. I'm not talking about... Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. I'm not talking about prayer like that. I'm talking about getting down in the floor and praying until you get a hold of God. I'm talking about praying for interceding for souls. I'm talking about praying until you get into the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost speaks through you. And when that begins to happen in the congregation, then when the preacher hits the pulpit, there's some anointing oil in the candlesticks so the light will come on for somebody and they'll have a divine revelation as to who God is. But you see, the olive oil has to be beaten out. It takes work to beat out olive oil. It takes effort. Some other things have to be laid down. You can't play all day. All right, I'm not going to meddle in Sunday school. We're teaching Sunday school class. There needs to be a revelation. Let me say this. The light was never to go out. Can anybody tell me, I kind of like to do an interaction a little bit. Can anybody tell me where the light originated from? Anybody want to guess? Fire from the altar. That's exactly right. And so if the fire came from the altar, who lit the fire in the altar? The original fire that fell when they first built the tabernacle. 
God told Moses on Mount Sinai, he said, you build it just like I tell you, the dimensions I tell you, out of the material that I tell you to make it out of, and don't you change nothing. And when Moses did the plan according to God's measurements, the Bible says that the fire fell from heaven and fell on the sacrifice and consumed the sacrifice. And he took that fire that came from heaven and pulled it off the altar and went in and let the, lit the seven golden candlesticks and lit the altar of incense. And, that was, and then he told Moses, don't you ever, Aaron, don't you ever let the fire go out. The Bible says there was a priest one time, Eli. The Bible says that he let the fire, the lamp, go out in the house of God. There's too many churches that let the fire go out. I'm talking about dead, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, churches that ain't got no fire. They hadn't had no fire fall from heaven in so long, they wouldn't know what it was if it did fall. Matter of fact, they don't even have an altar anymore. And I'm not trying to put down anybody. I'm not trying to look down my nose at anybody. I'm just trying to get a point across to you. It's our job to keep the fire from heaven going. Because let me tell you what happened to you. When you begin to offer up strange fire on the altar, the Bible says there was two boys of the priests one time that offered up strange fire on the altar of God. Strange fire. You know what strange fire is? Fire that comes from any source other than the power of God. And when they offered up strange fire on the altar, the Bible says God killed them because he said that's not the fire. Let me tell you something. You can't kindle up this thing. You can't move up, stir up something in yourself. You, you stir up some spirits, all right, but he said try the spirits and see if they be of God. When the Holy Ghost starts moving, when the real God starts moving... It's not just a talking in tongues business. It's a life change business. It changes the thing way you think about things. Oh, my God. I don't know about you. I know it's Sunday school, but I got to preach a little bit. I am tired of strange fire being altered on the altar of God. It's time we get a divine move of the Holy Ghost. I want something real. I want something from the... Somebody give him praise and glory. Lord, let it happen here today. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. Accept our sacrifice today, Lord. Accept our olive oil that we've beaten out this week. Accept our days of fasting that we've done. Accept our days of prayer that we've done. Accept our days of study, Lord, as a sacrifice to you, O Lord. Praise God. Just remain standing. I'm going to bring this Sunday school lesson to a close. We'll take a few short-minute break, and we'll have church. How many ready to have church today?